Welcome to the Freedom Chaser Six Figure Strategies Podcast. If you're an agent or an investor yet to hit six figures, this is the show for you. We take a deep dive into strategies to help you achieve the goal of six figures so that you can grow up to seven figures eventually. All right, guys, welcome to the show. Meet Eric Upchurch. He's the co-founder of Active Duty Passive Income. He's doing a lot of cool things. He is working on how to end homelessness for veterans, and he has the leading military investing community in the world. Eric, thank you so much for joining us today. Love to just kick it off, man. Like how has real estate investing helped you transition from the military? Yeah, I mean, for me, and I think for a lot of military members uh, transitioning, what we recognize now is that military members can be not only excellent W-2 employees for anyone, but, but also excellent in entrepreneurship when given passion and purpose, given a redirection. And so for, for me, real estate investing was that redirection. It was that thing that I could go focus on and, um, and really not only help myself, my family, my team, you know, my company, but the people around me and other veterans as well. And so, yeah, it was just finding that new passion and purpose, uh, really, really, uh, really drives me now. And, uh, yeah, now we are ending veteran homelessness this decade. I say that as often as loud and proud as I can. And, uh, the things that we're doing to do that are, are working. So. Absolutely. I love how confident you are when you say that you don't say it like it's a hypothetical, you say, we are going to do it this decade. Yeah. So like, what is the mechanism that you guys are utilizing in order to accomplish that? So right now, fundraising for my favorite nonprofit, which is Veterans Community Project. You can check them out at veteranscommunityproject.org. They are building uh, tiny home communities that are permanent slab construction, like not tiny homes on wheels or anything temporary. They actually will buy land a couple acres at a time in, in cities that have a, a homeless veteran population, and they will, um, they will build to code uh, 280 to 320 square foot homes and slab construction and their vinyl plank flooring and granite countertops and all furnished and everything. And a veteran can live with that for up to two years. And um, the only prerequisite or the only qualifier for a veteran to come in, obviously they have to have a DD-214, meaning they did serve, uh, but they can have any discharge status, which is fantastic. Um, and then also uh, they just have to show up and talk to their case manager. And, and when I say case manager, I don't mean psychologist. I don't mean, you know, alcohol, you know, addiction specialist. These are people like me who lost, lost their job, have maybe even have decent credit or in between jobs or just getting divorced or whatever the scenario is. And they're just homeless. They're just in between homes. Um, sometimes they are veterans that are coming off the streets and, and just, fell on hard times and they just need to transition. And so, uh, yeah, so their only rent that's due technically is to show up and meet their case manager. Um, and, uh, and the case manager will meet them where they are and give them the support they need to get back out and into an apartment to permanent, um, residency. And I'll give you a cool stat. Actually, uh, if a veteran specifically is given 18 months of consistent housing of stable housing, uh, coming off the street, the percentage of them staying home full in a place in a uh, permanent dwelling is 95%. So Veterans Community Project is leading the way nationwide. They're doing a great thing. They're currently in, um, started in Kansas City, actually. Um, and that's where uh, we were talking before this. Nathan Brooks um, uh, introduced me to Veterans Community Project in 2019. 
And they're now in Longmont, Colorado. So basically Denver, uh, Sioux Falls, South Dakota, St. Louis, Missouri, Milwaukee, and Oklahoma City. And expanding, there are 3,000 cities that have signed up for them to come into their town and do what they do. Because when they enter these cities, they, over time, they are solving the veteran homelessness problem. So it's a, it's something that is happening. I can talk about it with confidence for those reasons, but I can also talk about it with confidence because it's on my vision board and whatever's on my vision board gets done. Absolutely. So I love that statistic you brought up. If a veteran is given 18 months of stable high housing, 95% of them get their shit together. Why do you think that is? Uh, I think it is uh, just inherently veterans are good at, um, you know, when given the opportunity, uh, follow a checklist, follow a set of standards, you know, and, and things happen in everyone's life. And similarly, a veteran's no different that they could fall on hard times and just stuff, you know, bad stuff happen. But a veteran is 95% likely to stay in permanent housing once they have that stability because they know, okay, this is my opportunity. I know what to do now. I can follow this standard. I can follow this checklist. I can make sure my credit's in line. I can make sure, you know, I understand you know, basic financial literacy or how to cook even, you know, and, and all those things are provided. And then a system is implemented. Essentially, if you, if you really break it down, it's like a veteran is given a system and that's what we know. We know how to follow systems that are already, that have been in place for generations. So I think the, uh, you know, that's probably a higher rate than the, than your average homeless person. I would, I would venture to guess. Um, but either way, um, uh, proud of that stat of my brothers and sisters out there who, um, you know, fell on hard times and, and now have this opportunity. Absolutely. Um, 100% agreed. I've noticed people in the military when given a system, they, they, they thrive in entrepreneurial roles too. I think I'd like to get into that a little bit later into the show though. Um, first, let's talk a little bit more about Veterans Community Project. You mentioned it started off in Kansas City. Like how fast has this been growing? And are you guys direct partners or is this more of a, you're feeding them money because you, you love yeah, it? Yeah, it's just a passion, a passion project that I support. I, I was looking obviously since active duty passive income, my company is in the military uh, space and in the in the real estate space, I thought, well, it just kind of makes sense that putting veterans into real estate technically would be a, a great thing. And then I, I really just went, I went to visit and I fell in love with the idea and I saw all the programs and systems and everything that they have going on and how much attention it was getting. I was like, I need to be a part of that. Like that, that I can get around, I can get behind. So, um, yeah, they've, they've just been doing a great job of, of building. And then I've been integrating just, you know, with their team and talking to them regularly. And I do these, I do these personal fundraisers where I'll do something hard. I love to do hard things that challenge my bo my body and mind and to raise as much money and awareness as possible. And, um, you know, last, last year we hiked 170 miles around Lake Tahoe. It's a, the Tahoe rim trail. And it took us, um, nine days with 40 pounds on our back, um, walking on average 16 hours a day. And the elevation incline, um, elevation gain was 28,000 feet over nine days. And we raised $190,000 for Veterans Community Project just on that one effort. Uh, that was a tough one because there, was, there were no bathrooms, there were no campgrounds, and there was no running water. It was just people in the woods walking on a trail and uh, you find all your resources and, you know, carry your own food and stuff like that. So... It was good. Um, 
only so we had 12 people sign up uh, and only four finished so okay well that doesn't surprise me um, carry your own food and find your own resources like what was the most challenging part about that journey and what do you think was the difference between the four that made it through um, mentally and you know the eight that didn't yeah i don't know i i think it was there were a lot of physical i think mentally we all could have done it um it was very mentally challenging to wake up and be on the trail at 6 a.m every day rain or shine after a long day the previous day and just kind of that mental grind but i think everyone was capable of that we had quite a few like ankle sprains and leg issues and stuff. And that's a lot of climbing. It's technical climbing. It's not, it's not a wide, flat, well-groomed path. It's climbing over rocks and boulders and things like that along the, you know, along the day's journey and 20 miles a day is no small feat. So, um, but, but what, what, what a, the reason that correlates to raising money for homeless veterans is I, I looked at these things, at these challenges, I call it my, my kind of annual challenge for charity now, but I look at these things of like, I'm going to go through some really hard things. Some, I'm going to go through a real struggle in the next week or day or whatever the challenge is for the year. It's going to be hard for me, but it's nowhere near as hard as it is sleeping under a bridge in a snowstorm day in, day out. And I don't think that my brothers and sisters in arms deserve to have that um, happen to them. I would rather it happen for them and be able to allow that to be an opportunity for them to, to you know, get into stable housing, find the right resources. And um, so we're raising awareness through pain for pain, really. Um, I love the way you put that. Raising awareness through pain for pain and also challenge for charity what an amazing concept so you do this every year what what is the next one you have planned yeah may or is it planned no i yeah we planned it actually in may where we are raising we're raising fifty thousand dollars right now actually for our hike in may we're doing the rim to rim to rim trail hike in the grand canyon so you start uh at the south rim you hike down to the Colorado River, so all the way to the bottom of the Grand Canyon, and then you hike up to the North Rim, and then you hike back down to the to the river and back out um, another another trail on the, on the South Rim. It's forty eight miles in one day, and it is a lot of elevation gain. No kidding, forty eight miles in one day. Yeah, um, yeah, that is certainly a challenge. Um, so, what do you guys take from this? Like when you do this challenge for charity? Like, what do you get from it? I'm sure just going through it mentally makes everything easy afterwards, but like, what else are you gaining no, from these besides actually getting the charity? Yeah. I, I, so I even personally without raising funds for charity, I, I continue to do hard things um, because I learn and, and I was in a special operations unit in the military and I went through a lot of hard training and I deployed to combat five times. And um, so to me, the learning every time you do something that is just like you're like, oh how am i going to do that or how am i going to get through this even in the moment like what is going to get me how am i going to survive this how am i going to push through am i going to finish or am i going to quit and every time you do that you learn something about yourself you learn about how you know i just did a, a half ironman in december without training I did no no biking no swimming no running um and i showed up and I just absolutely exhausted after a 1.2 mile swim. Then I'm going into a 56 mile bike ride. And I remember at mile 38, 
using my arms to push my legs down to pedal that bike. I was so exhausted. And then thinking to myself, I've got a half marathon to run after this. And I still have a lot of miles to ride, you know, 20 more miles to ride on this bike. How am I going to do this? And I just said, stop it. You know, I, I'm doing this and, and I'm, I'll say this because this is my, my why, and it is a deep, deep rooted why. Anybody who's heard me on any podcast would, would know that I, I say this as often as I can, but what drives me, what makes me get through a hard time is this. I serve with the memory and pride of those who've gone before me, for they love to fight, fought to win, and would rather die than quit. And so I'm sitting there when I feel sorry for myself because I'm in pain, I'm going to sit there and go, my brothers who I buried in this, in the special operations unit that I served, I put them in the ground, but they would love to feel this pain in my legs right now. They would love to feel my heart pounding. They would love to feel the anguish of, or the anxiety around, oh, now I've got to go hike into the Grand Canyon and see these beautiful views. Or they would love to see, oh, you know, I closed another thousand units of multifamily or storage or whatever it is. You know, those aren't hard things. Hard is not being able to be here to experience those things. So I, what I get out of it to answer your question is a, a jolt in perspective. And, um, and I think that people who are not challenging themselves mentally and physically are missing that in life, that we are lucky to be here we shouldn't take it for granted. Not only are we here and living, we're in this country, which allows us to do whatever the hell we want to do, honestly. And, you know, you watch social media and you get caught up in it and you feel constrained by politics or taxes or whatever. I mean, I'm in California. People are like, how are you in California? I don't pay attention to politics unless I have to. And then I invest in real estate so I don't have to worry about the tax piece. Like figure it out. There's nothing to complain about you know? So absolutely do hard things. It just, it, it makes sense. And it makes your life a lot better for, for you personally, but also you help a lot of people when you do that, you can motivate people to do bigger things when they see you doing bigger things. Absolutely, man. Um, I've been meaning to do this more physically in my life, introducing more physical challenges because, you know, mental challenge is a part of business, right? Um, rather die than quit. Something I'd certainly think in terms of business. I haven't challenged myself that far physically yet. Um, I'd love to ask you, I mean, you were in special operations. Like what is it mindset that gets people into special operations? Is it almost a hundred percent mindset, the differentiator, or do you think there's actually a physical component as well? I mean, there has to be a physical component to some extent, but it's not the, you know, the star quarterback at, in high school. That's the, the guy who's going to win the, the special operations challenges. It's the thinker and it's the provider. It's the person who is taking care of the team first and just, and just decides it has a, has a bone in their body to make a decision to continue on. If you, and I just posted this yesterday on social media. I just said, don't quit today, quit tomorrow, repeat. And if you do that tomorrow, you say, I'm going to quit tomorrow. And then tomorrow you say, I'm going to quit tomorrow. Keep doing that. If that's your thing, if you have to think I'm going to, there is an end to it, then just keep saying it. And it's the, it's the guys. And I realized, you know, I ended up uh, top of my class in my in special operations qualification course because 
I just said to myself, how are my guys? How are the people around me? And I'm not going to quit. And um, I think if, if people have that mentality in life and in business and challenge and struggle, there's always a light at the end of the tunnel. There's always going to be a, a better day. I mean, I have terrible days and I have great days, but I can look at my vision boards and I can, you know, I can think about my family or, or I can think about my buried brothers, whatever it is to get me to the next day is what I'm going to do. And that includes like grinding it out physically on something. I'm just like, well, this sucks now, but tomorrow will be fine. Absolutely. And you could just quit tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, quit tomorrow. I like that, man. Just quit tomorrow. Um, and then just have the same mantra tomorrow. Um, makes it real simple, right? It kind of gives you the out, but it never gives you the out too. It's an infinite loop. Um, yeah. yeah, as long, as, long cool. as you have the discipline to just say, I'll quit tomorrow. Absolutely. That's the other part of it. <laughs> very cool, man. Um, all right. So, I mean, I'd love to talk a little bit more about passion and purpose because um, obviously you guys are, are working on ending homelessness, um, but you're also working to assist in entrepreneurship yeah. with people that are former military. So let's get into that because I've noticed that former military, as you said earlier, given the right systems and strategies, are quite good at executing them. Um, do you think that is simply because they were taught that way in the military or do you think it was the experiences because you've mentioned multiple times over like burying your brothers and stuff like that. Do you think that is what hardened you into a great entrepreneur or do you think it's the systems and the discipline that they put into you or both? Yeah, I think it's a combination of wanting to, you, you want to find that sense of camaraderie again when you, when you transition out of the military, it's where's my team, where, who are my people, you know, and we've, we've created this niche. Um, you know, we're a six year old company now and we've created this niche of military real estate investors we have 70,000 members and they're military members that are looking for freedom. We, it's, it's a funny kind of uh, uh, thing to think about because what we're doing is freedom fighting. We're, we're defending our nation and we're protecting our soil and we're fighting wars and we're doing whatever the military wants us to do while we serve. But we, what we don't have and what the military is not good at is creating a sense of financial freedom. And, you know, uh, financial freedom is, is an overplayed term at this point, but it's not the military's job to do that. And what we recognize is most military members end up becoming accidental landlords, including myself. You buy a, a property as soon as you move off base, off post, you buy a property, usually 100% leveraged by the VA loan. And then guess what happens in two years? You've got to move to your next duty station. So now you have either a rental property that's fully leveraged. So you have a property that's either fully leveraged still and probably doesn't have enough equity to sell and make money, maybe break even at that point, um, or you rent it out because you can make a little bit of money or at least it can pay itself. And then you go on to your next duty station and get another property. So we looked at that and we're like, man, everyone's doing that. Military members are doing that everywhere, but realtors don't know how to teach them how to look at buying a fourplex. Because you can buy a two, three, or fourplex with no money down also with the VA loan. And until we came along, uh, that wasn't widely spread. Real estate agents across the country were not talking about buying a fourplex uh, very often. There are some really good agents out there that were, 
Um, but you know, we have a best-selling book that talks about it now. And um, we actually trained the National Association of Realtors. So anyone who gets their MRP designation, their, their military relocation professional is like a designation you can put at the end of your name. When anyone, anyone goes through that training, any realtor, military or not, that is an education course that we created for National Association of Realtors. So um, anyway, that's just one, one little component of it, but just being intentional about buying and, um, and, and building that, that wealth muscle until you get out. And then when you get out, you've got a, a few properties maybe, but then you have this capability, this massive capability and drive of like, wow, I don't have to rely on 20 years in service necessarily to make my couple thousand dollars a year, you know, in, in pension, your real estate portfolio will will top that in a very short amount of time. And it's an amazing thing to watch by the thousands now in our community, people saying, I wish I knew about this 10 years ago. Well, so did we. And that's why, that's why we created it. Cause we we're just like, if we, if I had known this when I was 25 years old, this would have been a game changer for me. So it's amazing just to watch it grow. And, um, you know, we, we love our community. We actually have an event coming up in the fall in October, ADPI con will be in San Antonio. Actually, you're the first person I've told this out loud. Um, but yeah, ADPI con, which is the largest military real estate investing conference in the U S um, right on the river walk in San Antonio, October 27th to 29th. So looking forward to that. Awesome, brother. Very cool. Well, thank you for honoring me with that. The privilege of being the first person you've told out loud. That's awesome. <laughs> I just hope that this well, comes out after tickets are available. <laughs> just kidding. Well, oh, you should be okay. You probably got like 30 days. Yeah, yeah, we're, good. we're good then. <laughs> cool. Awesome, man. Um, you, you touched on a number of important things. Yeah. There's like, what do you think are the biggest opportunities for veterans out there in terms of buying real estate that most of them are unaware of right now? Well, if somebody's watching this, I'll say, free download or you can get it on Amazon. Our book is Military House Hacking, a number one best-selling book in nine categories. Um, and that will teach you my favorite. Like if I could go back to 25 years old and I'm living off post, I would have bought a fourplex. Zero down payment. And oftentimes you can get the seller to pay closing costs and some other things. So you could legitimately buy a fourplex. You have to, it's an owner occupied loan product. So you have to live in one unit, but then imagine renting out the other three units and you're living your greatest expense. Most of the time in life, the greatest expense is your living expenses, your, is your, your mortgage or your rent. Right. And so if you can mitigate that or reduce that, I mean, if you buy a fourplex, you're pretty much living for free right there. As far as your mortgage goes, um, you should be. So that's what I would have done. And then you can do a one-time uh, VA loan um, uh, reinstatement when you go to your next duty station where you can um, you can refinance that into a conventional loan and then go buy another fourplex at another unit. That's a one-time restoration um, thing you can do. So, and then you can sell it, you know, and you have, you have access to the VA loan for the rest of your life. So, you know, I still use the VA loan. Uh, I leverage it differently now, but um, definitely a great, great product. Absolutely, man. So I'm going to double back a little bit. You had mentioned the sense of camaraderie being an important part about military. And this is something you kind of hear in a lot of jobs that people leave. Um, police force, you know, um, firefighters, things of that nature, um, NFL players, basketball players. There's a sense of camaraderie that is built in these types of organizations. 
that is hard to replace. And it's hard for anybody that gets out of these organizations to find their bearings. And you mentioned at the very beginning, um, finding passion and purpose. So is this part of your guys' goals as well? Um, you're curing homelessness, but are you also trying to help these people find their camaraderie again and find passion and purpose through the organization that you've created? Yeah, I mean, let's go a layer deeper. Let's talk about veteran suicide. Um, I like to I actually like to make this transition because it's it's when we're talking about camaraderie. Let, let me just paint a picture for for maybe some civilians that don't understand why a veteran why veteran suicide is even a thing that we talk about all the time. It's like in the news and it's kind of a buzz term, right? Why is it happening? Well, a veteran. Oh, and you can plug in veteran. I think it actually correlates to police officers, firefighters, NFL, all the team people who are on a team. It correlates very closely to to all of these. One change might be between a, an NBA athlete and military is that life threatening circumstances is a is a bit more when you have like extreme levels of cortisol, your stress hormone. It it bonds people in a little bit different way than playing you know on a field or something. Not not to discount that because it's all rel it's all relevant but um, and relative, but um, so plug in something else to veteran when I say veteran. But here's why veterans specifically are having a hard time. It's not because of concussions or anything like that necessarily. It's when you're in the military, you have you just just close your eyes and picture this if you want if you're listening out there. You've got safety and control well in hand. You are a well-oiled machine. You are trained. You're, you understand your warrior tasks and drills like nobody else. They put millions of dollars into your training individually. And, and um, you've got your team, camaraderie. You've got mission. You've got um, a sense of belonging. You've got dope. And then you get the chemical stuff. You've got dopamine, serotonin, oxytocin. You've got all of those awesome chemical things. You get pats on the back and awards and accolades. You know where to be, when and how to look and how to act that um, imagine that and I'll package that up. That is a, that is a just an amazing combination to make people motivated to do great things together. Okay. And obviously the military institution knows that and has done a great job of putting that package together. So it's like a sports car that is, that is grabbing the, the, the track right now, a military member, basketball player, whoever, right? Uh, cop, firefighter leaves that. that no longer has that. It's like a sports car careening off the side of the road and hitting a pole. As it hits the pole, it wants to keep on going forward, just motion momentum, but it's in your internal organs are going to hit the inside of your body and cause destruction in the wake. And what that is, is a military member transitioning and no longer having any of the dopamine, the serotonin, the oxytocin, not have, you don't have a sense of control. You don't have a passion and purpose. You don't have a team camaraderie. Nobody can relate to you in the office anymore. You don't know where to be when nobody cares if you show up on time or whether or not you're clean shaven or not. All of it is just a massive halt, but biologically, physiologically, the veteran without even, not mentally, not even knowing that this is going on, the veteran's chemistry, the veteran is going, where's my dopamine? Where's the serotonin? Like who's, 
where what's going on where is it so what we do is we in, inherently seek those things it's like it's like withdrawal in a in a drug you're coming off of a drug and you're like well where's my dopamine hits where's where's the serotonin where's the oxytocin where is this happening now so then what do we do we go d destructive behavior we get arrested we get in bar fights we we uh, destroy our relationships we do adrenaline seeking activities uh, or suicide is the ultimate result and so it's not that it's not that we're like, oh, I'm sad because I'm not a veteran. I can't go deploy anymore. Or I miss my team or, you know, woe is me. It's that there's a thing happening inside the veteran that they don't have control of. Now, how you grab control of that is finding passion and purpose. And, and through new mission and new camaraderie and new team. And when you get those things back, you're like, you're on fire in the civilian world then. Then you're like... I found my team. I found my crew. So what active duty passive income has become is a transition, a segment that people can go, I'm leaving the military where I had all those things. And now I can go and yeah, it's just real estate. So it could be anything, but for us, it's real estate. Now I've got my people. I've got 70,000 military real estate investors that are my people. We speak the same language. We're learning the same real estate language. These are my brothers and sisters in arms and they're my brothers and sisters in real estate and in transition and in, and in passion and in purpose. And so you can see how people really gravitate to it. And that's why we've gone, uh, we've grown so fast because there's this really, really neat niche and we can all support each other and grow together, share ideas and thoughts and passion. And it's just really cohesive. So I hope I painted a, a picture for those of you who are wondering what's going on out there. Oh, man, you painted a beautiful picture there. I mean, it almost sounds like that's the cure to mental health issues in general. Give people a sense of purpose, give them a mission, put them together and point them in the right direction. Get them the dopamine, mostly dopamine. That seems to be the most important chemical. But as you said, serotonin and oxytocin as well. Um, these could be a com you could you could get all of these through accomplishing your goals and working together as a community and things of that nature. Um, find it interesting that I'm going in this direction, but do you think this would help the general community just as well as the military? I, I would imagine. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I obviously just focusing on military and in this context, first responders and, and, uh, and team players and stuff, but I would imagine anybody who's had any kind of um, relationship that they've, you know, broken out of even a business partner, um, something like that, then absolutely. You need to, you need to find it. And, and like, we're communal beings. Like we, we want to know where we fit and without that, we're, like we're not set up to be lone wolves out there. You know, we work well together when that's why you gravitate to even historically prehistorically gravitate to living in a village together. It takes a village, right? You, the old, the old adage, but it's because that's how humans are built. And so I think it does correlate to everybody. We've all got to figure out where we fit in and, um, and, you know, know what we can do next for the, the people next to us. Absolutely, man. 100% agreed. So you mentioned veteran suicide before, and I'm just saying that, you know, there might be an off chance that somebody is a veteran out there listening right now, perhaps contemplating something similar. What would you say to that person if you could talk to them right now? I would say um, before you make that decision um, to to try to find somebody that you can talk to about it. Um, there are people out there. They can certainly reach out to me and I'll point them in the right direction as well. But um, just I think knowing that there is a community for you 
and that you are a valued person and the things that you can provide this world you were here. For, I mean, you already beat the odds by being here, by, by living and breathing by the trillions. Uh, I don't remember the stat, but it's something like one in four trillion chance that you exist right now and that I exist right now. And so that's an opportunity to go and make an impact. And so um, I would say uh, one, a practical thing you can do right now is, is go um, think about your time, talent, or treasure that you can, that you can donate. If you don't have any money, which is the treasure part, then um, that's fine. What talent do you have? What do you, what would you do for free for the rest of your life? That's your talent. Like what you just love that you wake up and you doodle on a pin. It's really a gorgeous doodle. You're an artist, whatever. That's fine. Do that. Or you love to play piano or you love to fix cars or you love to, whatever that thing is, you're like, that's coming in your head right now. Go donate that time to somebody. Cause that takes nothing. Everyone will take a donation. So donate your time, talent, or treasure right now. If you're hurting and watch what happens because you'll receive smiles. And when you receive smiles, you'll, you'll feel smiles and, and that'll change your attitude a little bit. Uh, wow, man, you put that beautifully. Um, <laughs> if you receive smiles, you, you'll get smile, or if you give smile, whatever it was, I don't remember, but <laughs> you put it great, man. I mean, I love the way that you summarize that because it's so true. When you go out there and you help other people, you'd be amazed how much that changes the way you feel about yourself. Um, one of my favorite things about this show is like, you know, you meet extremely successful in individuals like yourself and you see that the most common thing pretty much is, is that you give way more than you plan to get back in return. And it's just like, I feel like if more people just understood that simple fact, and if we all just gave more than we expected, like how different do you think the world would look? Um, man, I have to ask you this question because I'm looking through your bio and I'm just like, you have done so many amazing things. Like you have <laughs> uh, aeronautical science, um, you manage a 27 man squad, you're doing, you're going to solve homelessness. Like you're yeah. just like, that's already something that's checked off on your list. Mm -hmm. Like what was the most challenging thing or, or perhaps this is a better way to ask it. Maybe not the most challenging thing because you were constantly challenging yourself anyways. What is the thing that you're most proud of? I mean, I'll give you the challenging thing too. And it's a daily struggle, which is imposter syndrome. How am I part of this team? How am I growing this company? How am I able to do that thing or this thing or whatever? How, why do I deserve that opportunity? And, and what I tell uh, my peers and, and students and anyone who, who asks is you just have to recognize that imposter syndrome is, is going to happen at all levels of success. The, think of the most successful person that you've ever seen or heard of. They have that same feeling that you do every single day. They just choose to recognize it and move on. And um, so I think uh, that's something that that I, I'm fully aware of, I recognize, and I'm okay with that now uh, because I know where I fit into a team and how I can help. Um, and, and as far as the, something I'm most proud of is uh, relentlessness, grit. Uh, determination, however you want to put that term. But someone asked me when I was on the bus from the start line where you basically, or the finish line where you parked your car at that, at the half Ironman I did, uh, and we're on the bus to, to the start line, um, which was, I don't know, probably 20 miles away. And uh, she asked me, she's like, 
what's your specialty? You know, that's something just, that's kind of like small talk on a, in a triathlon world probably is like, which is it the bike, the swim, bike, or run? What's your specialty? Like, what are you best at? And I just look over at it and I said, it's grit. I, I've never done this before. I've never even done a triathlon before. I've never even swam with a wetsuit on. And, and, um, she just kind of giggled. And I told her that this was my first time ever doing that, but that's something I'm proud of is that I've learned that your body can do so much more than you think it can. Um, if you don't let your mind get in the way. Um, absolutely, dude. Without question. Do you, man, <laughs> the way you put that. I was just like, do you think people are being held back by their body more or their mind? But obviously you just answered that. The mind is far more important than yeah. the body. So, I mean, if you get your mind right, you're essentially your body is able to accomplish anything. And, and guess what? If your body's able to accomplish anything, yeah. you're able to accomplish anything in terms of goals and things of that nature if you get your mind right. Yeah. And, and that's not easy either. I mean, I, I don't, I don't even mean to say that lightly because there are people out there going, yeah, well, I have a broken back or, you know, I'm, I've got a broken leg or my knees jacked up or, or whatever it is. Like, I understand there are injuries or physical uh, limitations and things like that, uh, but there are things you can do so say it's a, um, donating your time or something It doesn't have to be like some physical thing where you're like climbing mountains or whatever. That's not what I mean. It's, it's, if you don't have the physical ability to do those things, you still have the ability to do things that you think are way, way bigger than you ever would have said, but you've got to put them on vision boards. You've got to put them in front of your face. You've got to say it a hundred times on podcasts and everywhere else and to your friends and your family unabashedly, you have to say, I'm ending veteran homelessness this decade, um, or I'm donating a million dollars annually, or whatever your thing is, you you say those things. And, and the, the craziest part of it all is that you're tricking your mind into making it happen. You're, you're, you're verbally just making the decision to say something. It manifests itself over a five to 10 year period. It will happen to you for you if you just say it, say it over and over again. I used to write um, all the people that we wanted to interview. I would write them in the on the um, shower glass in, in my shower. I would write them and my wife would be like, can you stop writing that person's name? I was like, wanted to interview Jocko Willink. And I was like writing Jocko, you know, and then we interviewed Jocko. And then it was like, I want to interview Robert Kiyosaki. And then we interviewed him. And it's like, you just visually see it and say it out loud. And somehow that energy out in the, out in the world makes a connection that makes another connection that makes a conversation happen, that makes the thing happen. So give that a shot, man. I'm, I'm telling you. So it's, it is, a, it is, it is 90% mental. Oh, I'm with you there, especially in terms of interviewing people. You'll be amazed at how fast that compounds. You just start doing it and you keep asking for referrals and you'd be amazed who you end up talking to. Like people need yeah. to talk to other people more often. That is without question, man. Um, so I usually ask this as like, if you had a billion dollars in a hundred lifetimes as cash flow, like what would you be doing? Because it tells me what type of person that person is, but I already know you'd still be working, man. Um, you're going to end homelessness. Do you have a big goal in mind after that? Or are you just laser focused on that one for now? Because I know you're going to keep working. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. Once we end um, veteran homelessness in the U.S. So if I had a billion dollars, I'd, I'd give away probably 900 million. And then, um, I mean, $250 million will actually end veteran homelessness in the U.S. So that that is a, a 
that's the target. Um, but yeah, I, I would, I would definitely, you've got mountains and what you don't want is the false summit. Uh, what I mean by that is you've got this, I've got this lofty target of ending veteran homelessness in the U S which takes some upkeep over the years and decades and stuff. And I'll always be involved in that. But when you get to that, that peak, one of my mentors said the most depressed he's ever been is when he achieved the goal he never thought he would achieve because he didn't have a goal behind it. And so for me, I've got to have, when I, when I reach a summit, there must be a big lofty gnarly goal behind it. And so if it's ending veteran suicide, I don't know what that is yet, but it's going to be big. It's going to be, if it doesn't scare you, it's not the right goal in my opinion. And so, um, you know, it might be starting my own foundation. It could be, I don't know, whatever, but yeah. The, there is no limitation on on uh, what you can achieve. You just say it and make it happen. I mean, even my kids have this mindset now too. Another thing I just posted the other day, um, I texted my son. He he might have a ten and thirteen year old boys, and they have iPads where I can text them. They don't have phones, but um, I texted him because I was on a, a business trip, and I just I said, hey, you know what is it you want to do? And you're, you're, these are some things that I know about you that you're really, you're really smart with. You're really good at. And I know it's a passion yours. And the text he sent back, my 10 year old was the only thing limit. He's, I know what I want to do. I want to pursue engineering. And the only thing limiting me is me, dad. And I knew that the, the things that I've told him over the years has impacted him to the point where he understands that his mindset is the only thing that's going to stop him from achieving anything he wants in life. Um, what a valuable thing to teach your kids. I mean, I think if there's anything that you could pass down to your kids, it's that. Um, Eric, man, this has been absolutely tremendous. I wish I could talk to you for hours, but I'm sure you got more important stuff to do. You're ending homelessness for veterans. So, man, um, thank you so much for your time. If my audience wanted to reach out to you, what would be the best way for them to do so, man? Yeah, you, actually, you can email me, eric at activedutypassiveincome.com. Um, and you can get me on Instagram at realericupchurch. Love to hear from you. Um, dude, this has been absolutely tremendous. Thank you so much for giving us a glimpse into your life and into your business. And to those of you out there chasing freedom, freedom is accomplished one action at a time. Go out there and challenge yourself mentally and physically. Intentionally go out there and find some passion and purpose and put that into your life and find a community because you're not going to be able to do it on your own. If you're setting your goals high enough, um, you simply can't accomplish them by yourself. There's no limitation to what you can accomplish. You can always quit tomorrow. Just make sure not to choose to quit tomorrow, tomorrow. Um, that's it, guys. Um, <laughs> Eric Upchurch, thank you so much, brother. Um, freedom's out there. Go find it, brother.